that just shows that you're human on this side of the fall but what we do with that temptation that is where the culpability comes in and we have to realize that the things that are going to tempt us they're going to be there every single day it never fails there's not ever going to come a day in your life when you're not tempted by something in some way it's all about what we do with it There's a saying that you can't stop a bird from trying to land on your head, but you can keep it from building a nest in your hair. (laughs) Joseph was put in a difficult situation where he was being tempted by his master's wife. As Pastor Daniel will be teaching, remember that the sin isn't just against the person you get involved with. It's a sin against God. If nothing else, that should help motivate us to keep things on the up and up. Now here's Pastor Daniel in Genesis chapter 39 as he continues his message, Joseph in Egypt. Nobody ever became an alcoholic on the first drink. We have to ask ourselves, are we putting fences around these things? Potiphar's wife wasn't. She was watching him. He was a good-looking guy, very successful. Her husband trusted him, and she began to long for him, and she was very forthright with him. She straight up said, let's lay down together. Lie with me. Now, put yourself in Joseph's shoes here. In Joseph's culture, at this point in his life, he'd probably already have been married. People got married a lot younger then. He was in slavery. He was in a foreign land. He was away from his family, and he's a slave. And now he's being propositioned by a very powerful woman. But Joseph is having none of it. He's not playing with this at all. Look at what he says. He refused. And he said to his master's wife. Now, this is some gumption here. Because slaves didn't talk back to the master's wives. But he said, he refused. And look, he says, look, my master does not know what is with me in the house. And he has committed all that he has into my hand. There is no one greater in this house than I, nor has he kept back anything from me but you because you're his wife. He's saying, look, your husband has given me authority over everything. The only thing he's kept back from me is you because you're his wife. See, he respects who he is, his position. And then I love this, this last little phrase here, verse 9. How then can I do this great wickedness and sin against who? God. See, Joseph doesn't call adultery of the heart just a little flirting. He doesn't call something by its, it's just, you know, I'm just trying to feel a little bit better. You know, I just, I like to get my little buzz on. It's not that big of a deal. No, it's great wickedness. See, we live in a culture that likes to diminish sin, call it something other than what it is. Joseph doesn't play around. And I love that about Joseph. I love that about the Bible. He calls it what it is, this great wickedness. And what does he say? And I don't want to sin against God. Man, I like this about Joseph because Joseph is not playing around with his faith. 
He's not playing around with his spiritual life. He's not even willing to entertain it. He knows what it is. He calls it for what it is, and he moves on. And I know in a group this size that some of you need to hear this right now. What you are doing that is sin, it's great wickedness if you're doing it. And you're not only sinning against yourself and somebody else, but you're sinning against God. And we should take that seriously. When we look at the cross of Jesus Christ with the eyes of faith, when we see Jesus' broken body and those nails and that lashing that he received in the crown of thorns, he's there because of what we're doing right now. Right now. And we should not sin that grace may abound. God is the reason Joseph doesn't sin. Not that he'd get caught. God's the reason. We have to be careful with situational ethics in regards to sin. Many people, they get caught and they repent. But we should say, I am not looking to break the heart of a God who loves me with such an extravagant love. When we rebel against God in our actions, it's against him. I think about David in Psalm 51. As he spoke about his sin with Bathsheba. Have mercy upon me, O God, according to your loving kindness, according to the multitude of your tender mercies. Blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity. And cleanse me from my sin, for I acknowledge my transgressions, and my sin is always before me. Verse 4, against you, you only have I sinned, and done this evil in your sight, that you may be found just when you speak, and blameless when you judge. Let's call what we're doing what it is. Let's give it the names that God gives it, and let's repent of it. Let's not dishonor him. Now, you would think Joseph did good. He just put his foot down. But look at verse 10. And so it was as she spoke to Joseph day by day that he did not heed her to lie with her or to be with her. She didn't quit. And you have to realize this. Everybody, listen. Whatever it is that your temptations, it doesn't let up after one time. It would be great if we just resisted things and then they're gone. I would love that. Life doesn't happen that way. These things keep coming back. We have no control over what tempts us. All we have control over is how we respond to it. Temptation is common to all of us. Why? Because we have a sin nature that we inherited from Adam and Eve. That, like, all of a sudden something happens and your first reaction is just wrong. It just flat out is. And no matter how long you walk with Jesus, oftentimes your first reaction is the wrong one. Because we have a fallen nature, our first response is normally out of our fallenness. But once that temptation comes at that moment of decision, when we either give into it or resist it, that's where the accountability comes in. So if you're tempted, that just shows that you're human on this side of the fall. But what we do with that temptation, that is where the culpability comes in. And we have to realize that the things that are going to tempt us, they're going to be there every single day. It never fails. There's not ever going to come a day in your life 
when you're not tempted by something in some way. It's all about what we do with it. And so Potiphar's wife, she wasn't giving up easy. She kept coming. It says day by day. She was trying. Joseph was not having it. He was resisting. And in verse 11, but it happened about this time when Joseph went in the house to do his work, verse 11, and none of the men in the house were inside that she caught him by his garment saying, lie with me. But he left his garment in her hand and fled and ran outside. And so it was when she saw that he had left his garment in her hand and fled outside that she called to the men of her house and spoke to them saying, see, he has brought into us a Hebrew to mock us. He came into me to lie with me. And I cried out with a loud voice. And it happened when he heard that I lifted my voice in verse 15 and cried out that he left his garment with me and fled and went outside. So she kept his garment with her until his master came home. Then she spoke to him with words like these saying, the Hebrew servant whom you brought to us came in to me to mock me. And so it happened as I lifted my voice and cried out that he left his garment with me and fled outside. See, she tries, and then you hit this point in the story where Joseph's inside, Potiphar's wife's inside, no one else is in there, and she tried again, and Joseph, she grabbed his garment, he ran. It makes me think of what it says in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 22, that we should flee youthful lusts. I like this about Joseph. Joseph doesn't say, listen, come on, hey, take it easy. He just turns around and books out of there. And that's a great example of how we should deal with temptation. We should run for our lives. John Owen said it this way, you're either killing your sin or your sin is killing you. That's true. And if something's killing you and you can run away from it, then it's just plain logical too. Joseph, he just turns around and books. He doesn't worry about his garment. He just leaves. He runs out of the house. And brothers, sisters, learn from the admonition of the life of Joseph. Deal with your temptations that way. Run from them. I don't know how many times I've talked to guys struggling with the computer. I'm like, throw the computer out. Toss it. Get rid of it. Whatever your temptation is. I knew a guy, I, I talked about this guy before. This guy loved the Lord. He got a $3 million inheritance from his aunt, and he squandered it on scratch-offs. And now, we all say, I can't believe that. But that's what we are about sins that aren't our own. We all have our own stuff. And we all have some area that's a huge temptation. And this guy be like, just don't go into the 7-Eleven. Just don't. I mean, I can go in there and get a big gulp or a Slurpee or Reese's peanut butter cup or something. But I'm not going to drain the bank account on scratch-offs when I go in there. But he would. And I just say, just don't go in those places. But sure enough, every single day, he lived right around the corner from a convenience store. I remember one day I was in the convenience store. The guy was driving a Mercedes on. And I told him, like, you know, you're scratch-offs buying that guy a Mercedes, man. He's like, I know, it's terrible. But he just, he didn't stop going in. And how many of us are doing the exact same thing as that guy? Except it's not scratch-offs and we think that that's crazy, but it's something else. Man, flee youthful lust. Run. 
Run for your lives. Because you're either killing it or it's going to kill you. Run for your life. And you see what happens. She lies to the servants. She lies to Potiphar. She's just mad now. She's a woman scorned. And she's upset. So she makes lies about him. Now, in verse 19, so it was when his master heard the words which his wife spoke to him, saying, your servant did to me after this manner, that his anger was aroused. In verse 20, then Joseph's master took him and put him into the prison, a place where the king's prisoners were confined. And he was there in prison. Verse 21, but the Lord was with Joseph and showed him mercy. He gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. And the keeper of the prison committed to Joseph's hands all the prisoners who were in the prison. Whatever they did there, it was his doing. The keeper of the prison did not look into anything that was under Joseph's authority because the Lord was with him. And whatever he did, the Lord made it prosper. Now, do you see a theme here? Joseph is in Egypt and the Lord is with him. And he prospers and rises to a position of authority. Now he ends up in jail. And the same thing happened. We find out that in jail, Joseph, God is with him. And as God is with him, Joseph rises to a place of authority. And God blesses him. And brothers and sisters, this is the reality of what it means to be a child of God. Joseph's in jail, but he's blessed even though he's in jail. And I read this today and I thought to myself, I wonder how many of us are in jail, quote unquote, but we don't realize that God is with us and blessing us in the midst of it. I mean, how often do we have these experiences? We don't even see the hand of God at work. But God is with Joseph. This makes me think of Proverbs chapter 18, verse 16, which says a man's gift makes room for him and brings him before great men. God had given gifts to Joseph, and everywhere Joseph went, these gifts were starting to be used. First in Potiphar's house, now in jail. Now look at chapter 40, verse 1. And it came to pass, after these things, that the butler and the baker of the king of Egypt offended their lord, the king of Egypt. And Pharaoh was angry with the two officers, the chief butler and the chief baker. So he put them in custody in the house of the captain of the guard in the prison, the place where Joseph was confined. And the captain of the guard charged Joseph with them, and he served them, so they were in custody for a while. Now, Joseph gets two new inmates. We have a baker and a butler. Both of them offended the Pharaoh, and they ended up in jail. Notice Joseph again, the same theme. Joseph served them. He served Potiphar. Now he serves the inmates. Jesus said the greatest in the kingdom would be what? The servant of all. Jesus said the son of man did not come to be served, but what? But to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Joseph has all this authority in jail, but yet he's still a servant. That's true authority, isn't it? True authority is being a servant of Jesus. And no matter what responsibility you have, we always stay a servant of Jesus. Now, what's fascinating is Joseph with these two prisoners. It's a picture, of course, of Jesus in between two prisoners on a cross. 
As the story plays out, just like with Jesus, one believes and one does not. It's one of the ways that Joseph is a type or a picture of Jesus. Look at what happens in verse 5. Then the butler and the baker of the king of Egypt who were confined in the prison, had a dream, both of them, each man's dream in one night and each man's dream with its own interpretation. And Joseph came in to them in the morning and looked at them and saw that they were sad. And so he asked Pharaoh's officers who were with him in the custody of the Lord's house, saying, why do you look so sad today? And they said, we've each had a dream and there is no interpreter of it. So Joseph said, do not interpretations belong to God Tell them to me, please. Now, this is fascinating. These two, the butler and the baker, Pharaoh's servants who were in jail, they both have a dream in one night. And what's fascinating is Joseph notices when they wake up that they're sad. I mean, if anybody could have a pity party, it's Joseph, right? Like he's in jail and he was an honorable man. But while he's in jail, he is still compassionate enough to notice what's going on in someone else's life. Brothers and sisters, listen. If things are hard for you, I want to give you a piece of advice. Go serve somebody who needs help. Because when you start to serve other people, when you're concerned about other people, first off, it takes our focus off of ourselves. And we all know how the kingdom of self is highly fortified likes to be focused on. But Joseph is still serving, and he sees these guys. He's like, what is wrong? And they're like, look, we had a dream, both of us, and there's no interpreter of the dream. And then Joseph says, do not interpretations belong to God? He's like, wow. He's like, interpretation is not a man thing. It's a God thing. And then he says, tell them to me. And so then in verse 9, they start sharing. First, we get the butler's dream. Then the chief butler told his dream to Joseph and said to him, Behold, in my dream a vine was before me, and in the vine were three branches. It was as though it budded, its blossoms shot forth, and its clusters brought forth ripe grapes. Then Pharaoh's cup was in my hand, and I took the grapes and pressed them into Pharaoh's cup and placed the cup in Pharaoh's hand. And Joseph said to him, This is the interpretation of it, the three branches are three days. Now within three days, Pharaoh will lift up your head and restore you to your place and you will put Pharaoh's cup in his hand according to the former manner when you were his butler. But remember me when it is well with you and please show kindness to me. Make mention of me to Pharaoh and get me out of this house for indeed I was stolen away from the land of the Hebrews and also I have done nothing here that they should put me into the dungeon. So the butler, fascinatingly enough, has a dream about what his job was. He was one of the cupbearers for Pharaoh. He sees these branches, three branches. They're putting forth buds and blossoms. He's making the wine for Pharaoh, and he's serving them. And Joseph interprets this. Listen, the three branches are three days. And after three days, Pharaoh's going to lift up your head. He's going to bless you again, and you're going to go back to your job. And then Joseph adds in at the end, and when that happens, remember me. I like this because Joseph is opportunistic in not an ungodly way. He's not conniving. He's just saying, look, when you get back before Pharaoh, don't forget that I'm here. I didn't do anything. I'm not here because of what I've done. Help me out. 
So Joseph is so confident in the Lord's interpretation of the butler's dream that he sees an opportunity maybe to get out of jail. He pleads for help. Now look what happens in verse 16. When the chief baker saw that the interpretation was good, he said to Joseph, I also was in my dream, and there were three white baskets on my head. In the uppermost basket were all kinds of baked goods for Pharaoh, and the birds ate them out of the basket on my head. So Joseph answered and said, this is the interpretation of it. The three baskets are three days. Within three days, Pharaoh will lift off your head from you and hang you on a tree, and the birds will eat your flesh from you. Now, the baker sees that the interpretation for the butler was good. And he says to himself, man, I like this. I got a dream also. He got excited. He didn't realize that his dream was not a good one for him. Because instead of Pharaoh lifting up the head of the butler, he's going to decapitate the baker. And Joseph tells him that too. Now, what I want to bring out of this is simply this. Sometimes sharing people the heart of God is not happy, happy, joy, joy. We live in a culture that we want to just make everyone feel warm and fuzzy. But some things in life just aren't warm and fuzzy. And I don't think as Christians we should be afraid to be honest with people. It's a lost art for people to be able to share things that people might not like, but we love them enough to tell them that. And you know what? Good friends will love people enough to say things that they know they're not going to like, but they need to hear. Sometimes we want so much to be liked that we don't actually love people. We love ourselves more. And I believe that God wants us to, when we are sharing a hard truth, to do it with kindness, with bedside manners. A lot of you have heard me talk about these things before. But we need to be able to share with people, like, listen, this is where this ends. This is the end game if we go down this road. So the baker's interpretation is negative. In three days, he's going to die. The butler's is positive. In three days, he's going to be back before Pharaoh. Now, look at what happens. In verse 20 of Genesis 40, now it came to pass on the third day, which was Pharaoh's birthday, that he made a feast for all the servants, and he lifted up the head of the chief butler and of the chief baker among his servants. And then he restored the chief butler to his butlership again, and he placed the cup in Pharaoh's hand, but he hanged the chief baker as Joseph had interpreted to them. Yet the chief butler did not remember Joseph, but forgot him. We find that Joseph's interpretation was solid. It happened as he had said. But notice, the butler didn't remember Joseph. Jesus is real. We have the tendency to think that morality these days is way worse than in previous centuries. The Bible shows that this thinking is incorrect. The sinful nature of mankind hasn't changed at all. Pastor Daniel showed us today how living life by God's rules is subversive to the general culture, but that doing things God's way doesn't guarantee an easy life. Joseph is a perfect example of this reality. 
everyone needs a little encouragement to get through their day, and we have a way to provide that for you. Pastor Daniel has some excellent advice, truth, and love to share in his two-minute messages available on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Just go to JesusIsRealRadio.com and click on the social media links to find them. You won't be disappointed, and your day just might get a little brighter. Hey, everybody. This is Pastor Daniel Fusco from Jesus Is Real Radio. I'm so excited about what Jesus is doing through this ministry to change lives and restore His people. Would you consider partnering with us as we continue to share the message of Jesus here on Jesus Is Real Radio? You can find out more and donate securely online at JesusIsRealRadio.com. Thank you for prayerfully considering this. Next time on Jesus Is Real Radio, Pastor Daniel will wrap up his teaching, Joseph in Egypt. You're going to hear about the beginning of Joseph's literal and figurative rise from the pits to the pinnacle of Egyptian society. You're going to be reminded by Pastor Daniel that when hard stuff happens to you, God's not ignoring you. He's waiting for you to call on him and to let him use the situation to mold your character. You've been listening to Jesus is Real Radio with Pastor Daniel Fusco of Crossroads Community Church. Pastor Daniel will continue teaching through his series called Brothers next time. Until then, may God bless.